Welcome to the J.P. Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me is Joe Lupton. Happy New Year, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How you doing? You don't sound so good there. Yeah, I don't feel so good. And you <laughs> might think this is an opportunity for you to dominate today's call. But I think you want to control yourself a little bit as we go through this. No, but seriously, um, we haven't done this in, what, about three weeks, I think. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to kind of catch up on. And if I can kind of broadly lay out a, a frame here, you know, we have a world right now where markets are getting pretty optimistic that inflation is going to come down. Central banks are going to give you early easing, and that's fueling pretty decent performance in terms of risk assets. So the question is, as we think about it on the um, the drivers of that, which partly is inflation news and partly is other things that are driving growth and labor markets, um, you know, how, how comfortable are we with what we're seeing? Uh, and I'll just throw it to you. You can jump in wherever you want. Don't go on too long, though. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think, you know, we felt like markets have getting a little too carried away in terms of thinking an earlier hike. But I, I guess I would say if we if we went into the holiday season dreaming of a soft landing, I, maybe you're coming out of that holiday season with, um, you know, some some things you could hang your hat on for that. Uh, I think the biggest news on that front would be that inflation seems to have uh, come off and probably surprised us a little bit to the downside. And I'm, I'm sure in the next few minutes here, we're going to pick that apart because you put a note out this week, pushing back against that, making some good points. But at the end of the day, the data on inflation has been constructive. I think the data on growth is showing, uh, you know, almost Goldilocks, right? It's, it's showing continued resilience for sure. So if you're some out there worried about a break in activity, that's just not happening. Um, but at the same time, I certainly don't see signs of like booming growth. I see signs of deceleration, moderation in growth. And if you're looking for soft landing, Goldilocks, whatever term you want to apply to it, I think that's what you would expect to see and, and hope for. Uh, as I started by saying, I don't think any of this changes our view that you're going to get a, a, a March cut here, but it certainly keeps us in play for what our forecast is that, uh, you know, central banks start cutting sometime either in the early second half of the year or of this year, or maybe for the, like the ECB, maybe a little bit later, but sometime in the second half of this year, all of that's still in play. And maybe you could just throw that all into the other big theme we've pushed this year, which is, you know, observational equivalence continues that we just really can't distinguish uh, a lot there. That's big picture. We can open that up. There's lots of data points let to me, talk about, but that's where I'm at. Point. So, I mean, I think, you know, in that broad um, narrative you just laid out, it makes a huge difference, I think, whether you're going to get Fed and ECB easing in the first half of the year or the second half of the year. The markets yep. have priced it a lot. Yep. Uh, pretty early. So if you're not getting first half, it's going to make a pretty big difference, not just in rates markets, but more broadly. I think in the context of um, what actually is going to happen here, um, I do think there's a, a reason to question not the better news on inflation overall. And as you're saying, the feeling that we have a much better chance uh, to perhaps achieve a soft landing but whether we should extrapolate what was a very nice run over the last four to six months in terms of decelerating core inflation, um, uh, particularly in the Euro area and the US perhaps specifically in the PCE space, 
um, extrapolating that to the point that the Fed will be comfortable enough to ease early, whether or not we want to extrapolate that and say that's, you know, and, the, and these things are obviously connected, that it's a clear enough message that we've gotten inflation um, under control here, not just down from five to 3%, but down on a path to 2%. And that's where I'm pushing back somewhat. I'm not pushing back on the idea that we've gotten inflation down. I'm not pushing back on the fact that we've gotten inflation down will eventually be um, validating enough to give uh, the Fed and other central banks an opportunity to ease. But I think we've gone um, uh, a lot in the last six months and some of that stuff I would be pushing back against. I push back against the idea that goods price deflation is gonna stay here. And I think you can see some of the indicators uh, in, in surveys that pricing is starting to firm. You can see the transportation costs starting to uh, pick up. Um, and I think on the services side, there's a bunch of wacky things going on in both the Euro area numbers uh, and the US numbers, particularly in the PCE CPI. So I would, um, I yeah, would I mean, bet that, that we're gonna kind of feel more like inflation is sitting close to 3% as we go through the first half of the year that it's making a move having gotten to about three um, on the CPI cores uh, down to something uh, close to two. Yeah, I mean, and it, it puts kind of our, our view, our top-down global view, which is the idea that inflation is gonna get probably stuck and, and make central banks uncomfortable, that the last mile is gonna be more difficult than people expect, and that could uh, keep central banks higher for longer. That's the view. I think that view after the last, as you said, six months is we're on the defensive, right? And I think there's very good defensive arguments to make, and you just laid some of those out, but the data are, you know, if, if you just looked at the U.S. economy, you would say, oh, here's an economy where inflation last, core inflation in the last six months is running around 2%. The unemployment rate is a little bit below Nehru, but not much, and the economy is growing at about potential. What's the problem here, right? So- um, but, you know, our expectation is that inflation, just like we've faded the upside, we're probably fading the downside a little bit and inflation's going to kind of move back well, up a little bit here. And, and the central bank is going to have to stay on hold a bit longer. I also just want to make it clear that when you and I have been kind of evolving or thinking about these probabilities between soft landing and boil the frog, obviously inflation and the possibility that central banks could ease early is a big factor. But I think there's two other factors which we've been emphasizing that we should at least put on the table here, even though we haven't had a lot of news uh, recently to really uh, uh, talk about. One is the idea that as we move through the um, second half of last year, growth was just a lot stronger everywhere outside of Western Europe and particularly in the US. And the dynamics there just leave you with a healthier private sector, any, any way you wanna cut it, income side, balance sheet side, um, you know, things just look better. And therefore some of that, hey, we're gonna boil the frog by building these vulnerabilities is just happening more um, uh, slowly than we would have uh, thought. The, the second thing, and it is obviously connected to the other two, is the financial conditions are just easier than we thought by a decent amount. So like if we had a, a, a five, five Fed policy rate, uh, we thought it was gonna be in place through March, um, three months ago, we wouldn't have had 10-year yields quite where they were. We wouldn't have had equity markets where they were, where they are. Our measures of financial stress are just in a different place. So there's a, there's a set of things here, not just the inflation news, and they're connected partly to the inflation news, which is making the world look um, less vulnerable as we go through the next six, six nine months than we yeah, thought. Yeah, I think the, the 
kind of result of that or the how that resolves, I think, is going to depend upon how growth responds to those easing in financial conditions. Uh, you know, whether Powell likes it or not, he seemed to downweight <laughs> the broader financial yeah. market moves in the last meeting, despite expressly mentioning it in the November meeting, uh, which kind of irked me a little bit. But regardless of what he believes, he's going to have to respond to the fact if growth does start to pick up here in response to easing financial conditions, that's going to change the character of the conversation we're having right now. And I, in, in some sense, I think that's what our view is, is, is looking for. We're looking for a bit of a bounce back in the inflation numbers. And I, I maybe less you, I don't know, but some bounce back in growth here so that it starts to get a little bit uh, uncomfortable. Now on that point, as I said, while I'm feeling defensive, it's not just on inflation. I, I think on the growth side, I, I feeling a little bit concerned on the, on the manufacturing sector. Uh, we've been well, let me just stop you there because yeah, I yeah, want to okay. frame what you're going to go into there because yeah, yeah. I think part of the point here that you're getting into is that while the overall picture on global growth has continued basically to surprise us to the upside pretty consistently um, as we've gone through the last six to nine months, um, that, that, that surprise hasn't come with a convergence in the, what were the big gaps right. that were in place earlier in the year. Manufacturing has recovered, but pretty modestly, and as you, I'm sure, are going to get to here, the PMIs are still pretty uh, depressing in terms of their signal. And then regionally, you've got um, Europe that still looks pretty weak. And we're getting excited yeah. by indicators this week that suggest the region is not contracting. That's a low bar uh, to feel. And China is still looks to me fragile, right? I think, fra I think fragile is probably to me a little bit too strong. I think it's got enough control and support from the uh, public sector that things yeah. aren't terribly bad, but it's certainly bifurcated. And uh, there's yeah. certainly bigger big questions about where that might lead you down the road. I'm not particularly worried about China for the next six months, but get into what you were about to say about how well, those divergences meet matter and the way you're putting the outlook together. Let me just say a, a word about the manufacturing sector. And you and I have been kind of going back and forth on this. Um, you know, it was, we, we looked for a lift through starting in the middle of the year, that lift came um, and felt a little short-circuited in my opinion, but I think you're right to say that, hey, for the last six months, you've had okay growth in manufacturing. Not great, but okay growth. The, the point that I would maybe makes me more worried is that at least based on our tools and things that we build around this. And we put a lot of, anyone who knows us knows we put a lot of energy into the manufacturing sector. They're suggesting that almost all of it is from inventories, right? Our final demand proxies are not doing that great. And that does suggest that whatever lift we're getting is an inventory story. Um, that doesn't bode well going forward. Now, I will say that You've had a little bit of resilience in, in retail sales and our CapEx Nowcaster has started to, to pick up a little bit. Um, still very prospective, but I, I wanna see more from the final demand side. But right now I'm just seeing when you got this week's PMI report for manufacturing, which was pretty, I, I, ugly is maybe a strong word, but it was, it was disappointing. Disappointing. Uh, I wouldn't say it was ugly, but it was- Yeah, dis exactly. Disappointing. Although you've gone like, I don't know what, like seven, eight months of the new orders to inventory ratio being below one, which is- The problem there, Joe, is it, you're at a point now where you have 
two questions to ask. One is that that mean that manufacturing is going to fall. Or that the, the PMIs is, don't work anymore. Exactly. You can't rule that one out. It's just not, yeah. it's too long a period to be comfortable just saying, well, that's going to tell you where manufacturing yeah, is. Yeah, that's definitely true. Obviously, if you rule that out, you still put some weight on momentum and the fact that it moved lower, uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't bode well. So I think just broadly speaking, the manufacturing sector, I, I still like the word struggling. You and I have been debating that word, but I, I think struggling is the, is the right I think word. part of the reason you describe it that way, and it is appropriate to make this point, is that even within manufacturing, there's a pretty big divergence. Um, yeah. There's not really a recovery in the US and Western Europe. Western Europe is actually still in contraction. And much of the recovery has been in Asia and tech. So yeah, you know the, there is a recovery. Even in choppy, I think is the way we've described it. Yeah, I mean we had expected two to three percent growth in the second half. It looks like we're getting one and a half, which is a little disappointing. Um, but the composition of that growth and the signals from the survey are not giving us much to get uh, too excited yeah. about. I don't now, want to the upside. Off. Obviously, by definition, I should point out the all industry PMI actually not only moved up but is running above our forecast. And so that I think on net has to make us feel good. And then when you unpack that, what that has to mean is that services still kind of seem to exactly. be in the driver's seat here. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I suppose it's still post-pandemic normalization. You work in the services industry, Joe. Remember that. <laughs> Financial services are doing great. Thank you very much. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think that's good. I think we've worried about how long uh, divergent economies can continue to grow. I think uh, you've always said imbalances tend to not last long. Uh, this lasted a long time, this this expansion. Uh, maybe it will last longer here. But um, I would hope, and we I think a part of our call was one of convergence this year, both sectorally and geographically. Um, we're just not seeing much of it yet. And that was what it was like going into the holidays, we were flagging that point. And I think as we're coming out, the news that we're getting, and that includes not just PMIs, that includes a strong payroll report uh, in the US, um, which is showing more US exceptionalism. I think some disappointments out of China make me uh, a little bit uh, worried. The MBS PMIs were disappointing there. Um, so those imbalances are still there. I still feel like divergences are, are driving the storyline as we let me Let me turn the conversation a little bit because I want to make another point, which I think if you consider what central bankers need to feel confident that they can ease, let's assume we're not facing a growth threat here. And, yeah. and that obviously is still something that, that is possible. But let's assume we're not sitting here with a run of 50,000 on US barrels or Euro area slipping into negative GDP territory, something like that. And I think part of the way they're gonna kind of triangulate how to read these differences between service price inflation, between core PC, CPI, is by lining it up with the other pieces of their forecasts and their hopes outside of inflation itself. And I think for the US specifically, what the Fed is really talking about is some optimism on the supply side and some confidence that the stance of policy is still restrictive in a way on growth. And we've already talked about that latter one in the sense that will financial conditions uh, change their thinking about it or will it generate growth that forces them to change uh, their thinking about it? I think that's one thing that from my point of view is still unclear how it's gonna play out, but my bias is it's gonna slow them down somewhat just given what we've had in the last uh, month or two. 
Um, the second issue is the supply side. And I think one of the really surprising and, and very positive parts of US performance last year was realized potential. The labor force grew, even with today's uh, weak labor supply number, it grew 1.3% over the four quarters of 2023 and productivity grew 2.2%. That's three and a half percent realized potential. Some of that um, is almost certainly the strength of GDP growth, which tends to have pro-cyclicality. Yes. There are other things which might be more sustainable. Um, our economists are forecasting a slowing realized potential to below 2% uh, this year. Uh, today's payroll number, well, you don't want to put too much weight on one number, but it's certainly showing some uh, stepping back and the unemployment rate is no longer rising in the context of what still is a moderation in job growth going on. So there's a question there of whether the Fed's optimism on supply uh, is going to be um, uh, validated or whether they're going to feel a little disappointment there. Uh, I think there's a bit more of a bias on my side to feel that there'll be some um, some cooling of that optimism that's going to take place in the next three to six months. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you said you don't want to put a lot of weight on the latest payroll report, but obviously the hours numbers are not tracking very strong as we're heading into the into the new year. I think it was a, it was a strong report on payrolls. It was a strong report in terms of a tightening labor market or a tight it's labor market with tracking wage growth. Q4 though on hours is tracking probably if our GDP forecast is right, consistent with about one and a half on productivity. So that's a slowing from where we've been recently. Yeah. Although I'll take one and a half. <laughs> uh, That's been the trend since 2003 up till the pandemic was one and a half. Yeah, but it, that may, is that right, Bruce? I thought it got pretty weak late in the last expansion and we were scratching our heads why productivity was so weak. No, it got weak in the first half of the last expansion then it picked up in the last, like between 2016 and 19. And the average over that period was about one and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we can go look yeah. at the data after this. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So um, what is it your bias right now? Is your bias for things to on inflation and growth? Let's take two dimensions and they don't have to obviously move in the same direction relative uh, to what you think markets are expecting up down on growth inflation for the DM. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm a little... Um, more concerned on the growth side. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing a lot, Bruce. I think we're basically going to track our forecast. I'm okay with our forecast, but I'll take, a, a, if you just take our point estimates of our forecast, I, I would say I'll take the under on, on growth and the over on inflation. Um, and the combination of those two will, the fact that it, that involves nothing breaking on growth and with the over on inflation, I think the, the, the central bank call is that you're going to get these March cuts priced out. Um, yeah. So that's I'm kind of, I'm I'd probably put a, a, a neutral bias on growth if we're using, let's say if we're using 2% and 150 on payrolls on GDP, mm -hmm. 2%, 150 on payrolls per month. I'll say neutral bias on that and uh, probably buy, again, upside bias, at least on um, the PC core. I mean, there's a the core PCB, CBI is still running three. I'm now you're, more, not, now you're side, we're not going into that, <laughs> uh, but um, I'm more sideways on that. Um, I think more of the action will come as PCE converges to CBI. I mean, I think it's a it's a good point to recognize, as you do in the note, that uh, the goods disinflation has been pretty considerable, and it's 
deflation you know, deflation or whatever yeah that that's gonna kind of unwind some it's not going to continue at that at that pace although yeah, no. I, I do wonder in a world where manufacturing stays this week i mean maybe you do get some more of that i think that's there's a, the there's risk definitely uncertainty that on that front there's more pressure perhaps coming from the transportation costs which are starting to move higher here you could obviously I, i've i've gotten myself into a lot of trouble trying to time turns and uh, inflation uh, moves where maybe i've gotten the turn right you know in terms of the the broader story but gotten the timing off by three or six months you can be mm-hmm. very far six off six years on, not six years <laughs> even three months or so you can get yourself uh, into problems in terms of how you think about how that's going to be influencing the Fed or the markets. Yeah. So um, anything else you want to hit before we end this first uh, uh, session of the year? Well, we do get CPI, is it next week? Mm. I think we get US CPI next week. No, I think we get it the following week now. No, nope, the 11th. The 11th, uh, okay. I don't, but, but that doesn't help listeners because I don't know what we're forecasting, but that will be- I know we're forecasting a point, a, a, a low side point three core. Uh, I don't know what the headline number is, but the core PC CPI is 0.3. Okay. Uh, One thing I will note, just uh, speaking of the good sector and kind of some concerns there, uh, I mentioned the retail sales kind of holding up, and we obviously had a good reading on retail sales from the U.S. in November. Um, It's I'm I'm watching our card data for December, and it's looking fairly soft. so we'll keep an Control, eye on that. Either gasoline consumption is going no, no, down. Of course, yeah, it, yeah, that's the concern, right? You're, you're right. The headline is going to be down because of gasoline, and that's a nominal reading, so that will be pulled down. But uh, the control number, and that includes things like, uh, you know, department store sales, eating out at restaurants is also looks like it's soft. It does look like there's a pullback in the car data in December. Um, yeah. That can change, you know. I think we'll probably be getting one more week of data there. Uh, seasonally adjusting December is obviously, <laughs> excuse me, is, is obviously very hard. Uh, but none of that, that's a, a concern people should should be watching. Okay. I think we'll leave it there. And thanks everybody uh, for tuning in and hope we can continue as we go through this new and what seems to be a very interesting year for arguing about the macro economy. And hopefully we can both get healthy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Take care. Bye.